You are Locked On Rays, your daily Tampa Bay Rays podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Andrew, do you have one stat that you just love above all else, whether it has to do with pitching, defense, offense, one that, because I think Ulysses, what's the one that you go to oftentimes is on fin graphs, the left on base percentage? I love the left on base percentage for pitchers. I just, that's, and like, I know it, you shouldn't be black or white, but when a guy has a high left on base percentage, I, I love that kind of pitcher. So yeah. Do you have a stat like that? Uh, no, (laughs) I don't. Um, but only because I am fearful of like only looking at one stat. So I always like force myself to look at a lot of different ones and I'm like a big fan of don't like not overcomplicating things. So like, for example, for a pitcher, if ERA and FIP tell the same story, then I'm going to opt to say ERA like 95% of the time, just because that expands the audience that's listening. Um, even though FIP is more telling, but again, if they're like, if one's 3.2 and one's 3.3, that's not a big enough difference in my mind, but I don't think, you know, all those stats are valuable. WRC plus is important. WOBA, like any, all of those all all encompassing stats are great, but like, I would never like look at one of those and just say like, okay, that's my full interpretation of this player. Evaluating hitters. Uh, So I'm, I'm going to, now uh, show my 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 race bias here obviously that's the main weakness it's not it's not preposterous to say that it's the offense that we should be looking at as race fans as the weakness right i would agree with that yeah <laughs> what do you do you think should be the best case scenario for this 2023 i know health but if, taking health aside Everybody's healthy. Like, what should be expected from the from from this lineup? Uh, obviously, you know you, you have Yandi, Randy, Wander, Bilal. Like, those are your main four guys. Mm-hmm. Is that enough of a thump to create some noise in in not only the AL East but in 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 the league? Um, honestly, I'm I'm on the lower end of the Rays offense. Like I love these players. I think they all bring something unique and it's so impressive how well they do given like the circumstances, but I think the Rays like really rely on their pitching and they can't, not that they can't, but like it's very difficult for them to outscore. Um, So like, it's so valuable for the pitching to limit the other team to like one, two runs. Cause I really don't see like the Rays run expectancy beyond that. Um, it's not their fault. Uh, but like, if we're talking about playoffs and like competitive games, which is my focus at this point, mm-hmm. um, yeah. cause I think they'll, they'll do fine in the regular season, but sure. when they're up against teams that have good pitching, but also have good offense, like that's when the problem comes in. Well, if, if you saw it last year, they faced a team that had a very poor offense and they still got beat. So when you are meeting somebody that has even a better offense, you're, you're it's very difficult to to surmount that 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 big obstacle of only scoring one run in what what was it 24 25 innings Kevin? Uh don't remind me but I believe it was 24 <laughs> if I recall yeah. too many. Yeah. Um and following up on that Andrea and obviously in following the Rays did 
obviously, I guess you are under the impression that they did not do enough in the offseason to address the offensive side of the ball in terms of whether it was trading for somebody or signing a veteran free agent. And of we know some of the big names that were on the market um, as far as bats go. But was there a name or two or three that you were like, hey, I mean, there was an opportunity there that the Rays could have gotten this guy, like, I don't know, Brandon Belt, for example, that they they really should have made more of an effort to acquire a player like that. And now we have to see what Josh Lowe and some of these other young players can provide. Um, I'm not sure. I didn't really look at the free agents from the perspective of the Rays. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I don't want to give a name, but... Uh, I don't really have an issue with like banking on some of the prospects and like giving them an opportunity to mm-hmm. contribute. Cause I do think the Rays can float and then maybe at the trade deadline, they assess getting a bigger bat if that's something that's needed. Um, but I actually think that like catcher is, is a position that they could improve on. Like that's, I think their biggest positional weakness. They've got like Bethancourt and Mejia and mm-hmm. Pinto, uh, but I don't really view any of those as a starter. Like I, I feel like they're missing like a really good either offensive or defensive catcher. Uh, so I would say that that was an area I was a little disappointed they haven't filled yet. And maybe yeah. they can address that down the line. The midway point of the NBA season is here. And now is the perfect time to download FanDuel. It is America's number one sports book. Uh, new customers get a no sweat first bet for up to one thousand dollars that's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win so just download the FanDuel sports app it is safe secure and super easy to use so uh FanDuel actually I should say additionally FanDuel lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay a lot of opportunities here at FanDuel to uh, make some money if you're interested so don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet for up to $1000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com/lockedon that's fanduel.com/lockedon to learn more make every moment more with FanDuel an official sports betting partner of the NBA yeah, uh, Kevin was a big Murphy guy. He wanted uh, yeah. the race to to you know talk to Oakland a, a lot throughout the off season. I I think well, if I was going to say Ulysses. Sorry to interrupt yeah. here, but Andrea, does that mean that are you under the impression that the race should have given Mike Zanino another chance, brought him back, or just tried something else entirely? Uh, I like Mike Zanino. I think he's fine, um, but I would have been open to someone else as well. Like, I wasn't tied to him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, if everything goes well, the splits should work out between Beth and Cormahia. But I, I do agree. That's that's kind of like the weak link. If you look at the at the lineup, uh, when we assess this offense, is it a problem that the top four guys that we named um, before are not as high end as other teams, really good offenses? Or is the problem that the other five guys are just too low in the totem pole? compared to the to the other teams like what is the actual issue here i think it's a little combination of both like even looking at just the division like the yankees the blue jays even the red sox have like really big name contributors on their team and you know thou frank franco uh diaz who was the fourth you said a rosarena Mm -hmm. 
uh, I mean, they're great. They contribute, but I do think that you're going to get more from like an Aaron Judge or a Guerrero or Brichette. Um, and then in terms of the other guys, it is difficult, uh, especially like it's a high strikeout team. So when they are faced with like advanced breaking pitches and things like that, it is a little harder for them to adjust. Um, although I don't know if you guys saw, there was an article in the Tampa Bay times about a Rosarena finally yeah. using like information. Yes. <laughs> that, <is really> <laughs> um, <laughs> that was a little bit alarming to hear that he like didn't, wasn't interested in like game planning and, and all that stuff beforehand. But I do think that that's going to help him significantly this year. So I'm excited to watch and see how he makes an adjustment because of that. No, but I'm, then again, so- like watching him play, it's sort of one of those things where it's like, it's sort of beat to his own drum sort of a deal where if I want to try to swipe a bag, I'm going to try to swipe a bag. If I want to try to swing for the fences here, I'm going to try to swing for the fences here. So it's good to hear that he might actually be incorporating an aspect that he wasn't that hopefully can elevate his game and, and really, because he's got the skill set, of course, but well, the, there also has to be the mental side of the thing. The guy was has had two back-to-back 2020 seasons. Um, overall, the, the, the lines are good. Like he's a good player. He's a productive player. Uh, but yeah, like you said, like he only wanted to know how fast the pitcher threw. Like that's just the most minimal amount of information. Um, so like you, I am going to be very um, intrigued about how how they draw that line for him. Because I think if the if you're coming from the uh, – the perspective of, hey, I just want to know how fast this guy throws to how much information, like you said, that is readily available in the industry. Like, where do you draw the line to this guy who doesn't ever look at that stuff? Like, what are you actually going to give to him? Like, that should be a kind of a difficult job for whoever has that responsibility. Uh, maybe uh, Ehrlichman, I think it's, 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 it would mm. be the liaison for the race to, to do that job, right? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of crazy to think about. Those jobs are so tough because you have to talk to every single player differently, um, mm-hmm. especially if they're all on different pages like this. Um, personally, for Rose Arena, I think you just stick to the basics. Like, these are the pitches the guy throws. This is how they move. And this is what got you last time. So keep an eye out for it. Like, I think that's like the bare minimum. Uh, I, I'm curious why he didn't want that information last year. Um, and I do yeah. think that he like got those amazing results in the past just because he is so athletic and so talented he's able to overcome it but just imagine how much better he could be knowing like okay it's a two strike count he just threw me three fastballs now he's going to go to his slider like that's going to be a lot more valuable to him it's it seems like that um that kid that just went to class took notes in college and just got by um (laughs) just because he was smart you know instead of like actually like doing you know the the quizzes and uh studying really hard like instead of you know getting the a pluses he was fine with the with the 85s but it should be really interesting to see how this season comes in with uh with the new um age information i want to i want to switch it though because uh obviously talking about the offense makes race fans frown and, and maybe not smile as much so let's make the people smile by talking about the pitching so okay. um <laughs> when you talk about race pitching it's a whole different case like this rotation uh, i've said this before uh, on the show I think if health permits, which obviously it's a big if, but if health permits, this could be the best rotation the race have ever had. And and for me, the 2012 one was was just 
immaculate. Uh, those guys were, were great. So do you also see this as perhaps if health permits this being the best rotation that, that the race ever had and how do you compare it to other American league teams? Yeah, I think this is an incredible race rotation. I don't remember who was on the 2012 team. I'm assuming that was like a Shields Price situation, but I don't want to speak uh, and mess that up. Yeah, uh, it was um, Shields, uh, Price, Cobb, Archer, oh, yeah. saw some time, Neiman. Uh, and yeah, so it was it was loaded. Yeah. I loved Alex Cobb, but that's another conversation. Yeah. Yes, me too. Um, and Helixson. Helixson was on there too. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this rotation is really amazing. I wish Shane Boz uh, was healthy. Uh, I think that would just like be the cherry on top. Um, but yeah, this is a really strong rotation. Eflin is going to be so exciting. I'm like eagerly awaiting how they change his pitch mix. Um, mm -hmm. But I guess we'll figure that out when the time comes. And I do think that they have one of the best rotations, not only like in the American league, but in baseball. Uh, I think some tough competitors are like the Astros, the Mariners, Mets, Yankees. Um, I mean, there are other teams too, but I think those are the ones that really are in the conversation for the best rotation in baseball. But I think you could easily make a case for why the Rays are one of the best ones. I mean, McClanahan's an ace, Glass now is an ace. Hopefully he stays healthy. Um, and even Rasmussen, he's gone through two Tommy John surgeries and he's still amazing. Like his control is unbelievable. Yeah. F1 has already been good. He has plus control. And now I'm assuming he's going to be better, but I don't, you know, I don't want to put too much pressure on them, but I think he will be. <laughs> Springs is exciting. Not the best option versus lefties, but still really good. Uh, and then if someone gets hurt, hopefully no one does. They still have like Chirinos, Patino, Fleming, and Bradley coming up the pipeline. So this is a deep rotation, and I'm just so excited to watch them pitch. Kevin, did you notice the order that she set them in? She set them in the order that I like. She said Rasmussen's <laughs> third. Kevin, I'm telling you, it's going to happen. Rasmussen has to be third, buddy. Yeah, I'll defer to you all on that. I'll uh, <laughs> I'll refrain from comment there. Um, Wait, who do you have third? F1? Yeah, F1, okay. based on the, the monetary factor there. Speaking of money, um, I, I do want to ask you this, Andrea. Uh, obviously, the Rays were very busy, maybe not so much in uh, adding uh, bats, but in terms of extensions, they extended Jeffrey Springs, they extended uh, Pete Fairbanks, they extended Yandy Diaz. Which of those three do you think were the, the smartest? What was, what was the, the best or smartest extension in your viewpoint out of those three? Uh, I think Diaz, because of what we talked about, um, like the pitching, obviously they're amazing with their pitching, but if they were to lose a pitcher, they have others that could fill mm -hmm. in versus like Diaz and his like elite contact quality and uh, like just abilities overall, like that's hard to replace at the price point that they have him. So I think that extension was the most uh, intelligent one from their view. And following up on extensions, uh, this is a topic that Ulysses and I have bandied about a little bit of like, who's next? Um, who, what's the next shoe to drop? Is it going to be Randy Rosarena? Is it going to be Drew Rasmussen? Is it going to be Shane McClanahan? Is it going to be Curtis Mead or one of the prospects? Do you have an idea as to who the Rays should and will extend next? What Do you see somebody as, hey, this is a great extension candidate going forward for the race. I think McClanahan 
would be a great extension candidate and then trade glass now um I don't want them to trade glass now, but just like we know how the rays operate mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and which, and it's so important that they do like replenish the farm and get those prospects back and make smart trades. So I think if you're going to trade one of the two trade glass now and keep on McClanahan, like I think he is an ace and like he is in the conversation for one of the best starting pitchers in baseball. Uh, so, and I know we talked about how like it's important to extend like members of the offense who are contributing, but the Rays, like their whole team is built around their pitching. So I do think it is important to retain an ace and like keep that strength as elite as it is. So that's why I would pick McClanahan. Yeah. I guess the question Ulysses is what would Shane accept? Because I think he has a very high number that maybe the Rays aren't willing to put forth there. But if you are able to agree with him and then trade glass now, I guess one of the ideas would be maybe you can get a bat or two in return for glass now and, and uh, super up that offense. Well, we, we have, uh, we, I think we did this maybe two weeks ago. Well, you know, we like to have fun on the show. It's an entertain. At least we try to make it entertaining. Some people laugh, some people miss the jokes and that's okay. But we like to do conspiracy theories. And our conspiracy theory, our latest one, was that they tried to extend McClanahan. And that money, the 12th for, for Fairbanks, the how much help me out here, Kevin, the 31 for Springs? 31, uh, I believe so, with uh, incentives and tie-ins built in. Plus the 24 for Yandi, that that was all... Com, com, it was a comedy. I think it was 64. I think we did the math in the show 61, 64, that that was going to be for Shane McClanahan. Didn't happen. So they diversified their por portfolio and hit those three. So I hope you're right. I hope that you are correct that on, on the first part. I hope you're correct on the, on the McClanahan extension. I do not want to trade glass now. I want that qualifying offer. Get that qualifying <laughs> offer, then you get the extra draft pick, and then we could all be happy. Fair yeah, enough. Yeah. I mean, that's terrifying. I hope you're wrong about that conspiracy. <laughs> that's a terrifying Me too. one. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Um, Kevin, I want to ask a little bit about MLB as a whole and kind of shift uh, from, from Ray's land a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you had a lot of people have talked about salary caps, um, you know, or, or salary floor, but you had a very um, interesting video that you, that I saw today about how to make the league a little bit more competitive. Can you kind of walk us through your idea and, and kind of do your presentation on, on how this would work? Sure. Um, hopefully I remember everything. <laughs> it was <laughs> basically like there would be a win threshold and a loss threshold. So um, to, you would get rewarded over two consecutive seasons if you had a certain number of wins, and then you would face a penalty if you had a certain number of losses over two consecutive seasons and the rewards were centered around building organizational depth and improving the organizational talent. So it would be like a draft pick, um, international money, slot money for the rule four draft. And then uh, small market teams would get higher rewards than uh, large market teams. And then on the flip side, the penalty would be, try to prevent teams from tanking and doing a complete teardown. And instead, like if they're on the brink of the threshold, they would want to add a free agent or add someone interesting just to like help make them a little bit more interesting to watch. Um, and the penalty would be mo monetary. So it would just be a tax. 
similar to the competitive balance tax. Like if you're 50 wins over the loss threshold, you have to face a much harsher tax than if you're one win over the threshold. And then similarly with the wins, um, a small market team would have less of a penalty than a large market team. And the goal with all that is just uh, like we've seen like the Rays, for example, are a great example of a team that has a really strong uh, prospect system. And because of that, they have a sustainable model of success because those prospects are either contributing to the major league level or they're being traded for major league talent to fill holes on the roster. So I think it would like incentivize those non-competitive teams to think differently about their amateur process, their player development, and hopefully make enough improvements where like they're still getting the draft picks, they're still getting all that stuff, but just to make smarter decisions about how they develop them and what they eventually do with them. Now, did this idea, was this something that you had brainstormed totally by yourself or something that had been in discussion when you were working with the Yankees or just being around other baseball minded folk? Just how did this come about or, or was it, you know, taking uh, various aspects from maybe other sports? Just how did, how did you come up with all this or was it all by yourself? It was my idea. Um, I didn't come up with it with anyone else. It was just like, I think a lot about like what makes a team competitive and like, why are the good teams always good? Mm-hmm. Like, why are the Yankees good after 20 years? Like, I, I know they haven't won a World Series, but they're still in the playoffs every year. Right. right. Um, the Dodgers are another good example. Like, what actually makes them good? And it always comes down to, like, they have some of the best organizations. Like, the, the organizational depth is always the top of the class. And, um, like, they're using them in a smart way. Like the Rays, a lot of their prospects, we see them come up and they contribute. But like the Yankees, they trade away a lot of their prospects. But they're, that still has immense value because they're getting back major league talent. So right. I think that like the success of the major league club comes from the depth of the organization. So I tried to think of a way, like a unique way, because I know there's a lot of other ideas floating around about competitive balance. But I think that, you know, that's a way where like you're forcing the organization to actually think about the decisions they're making as opposed to just saying you have to pay a certain amount on payroll and just sign anyone. Yeah. Like it's deeper Uh, than that. Yeah, no, I I like this now. Let let me, let me um, dive deeper. If you were to put a number onto both the win threshold, the the winning threshold and, and the loss column threshold, what would that number be for you? Is it just above 500? Is it hitting 90? Like what, what would that number be for you? And also on the lost column as well. I'm not sure. It's a tough question. I went back and forth about this. I think the, the win column, it needs to be over 500. Like maybe 500 is the minimum or better because that's hard to achieve in and of itself. Yeah. Um, but over the two years. So it's even harder to do that. Um, yeah. And then the loss... I think I might be a little more generous there and make the losses a little higher. Otherwise, like not every team can be good. Not every team is, can be 500. So it needs sure. to be reasonable in the sense that a team doesn't get stuck in there and they're trying and it's not working. Like if a team is trying to be competitive, they should be out of that loss threshold. So maybe, I don't want to say 200 losses, but maybe something in that realm where like, like you can't do like what the Orioles did and lose for five seasons straight. 
Like just hurry it up a little more or at least field a competitive team and don't intentionally tank to get the draft pick. Like you have to attempt to be competitive. And and the the Tigers have been doing that same thing. I mean, it's kind of like they're trying to rebuild and then it, it doesn't even get built. You know, it just gets <laughs> torn down um, again. So, yeah. They leave the construction site entirely and come back in like <laughs> yeah. two years. <laughs> they bolt. They bolt. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't know. I'm thinking when you were talking about that, 85 seems good to me. Like if you made 85 wins, that you 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 did your job. And if you wanted to be a little bit more easy on, on the losses, maybe if you get to 70 wins, um maybe or i don't know maybe i'm being a little bit too stringent or maybe i just want the race to to get a little <laughs> bit more of the winning threshold than, you know four playoff appearances so uh i don't know I, I i do like that but something has to be done uh because you, you can't have these teams yeah. just do what the tigers and the orioles did for so long